Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, that's wait a second, that's not say. a TV show. It's but not it a t- is. But it is. It, it is. is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. <laughs> Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have that streams other than a Viewmaster. You download it and, and then you watch it 100% free. There's no charge, yeah. there's no Patreon, there's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us on Electric Now. Hello, this is not really Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if it were, uh, I would urge you to uh, listen and watch the Inglorious Trexperts because uh, who knows, maybe it'll uh, bring in more income. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio, and digital, wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Wondering what to get your loved one for this holiday season? Yes. Wonder no more. You are. (laughs) Really? I am. I'm wondering. I would think you of all people would know. Well, you can't you can't do the same thing all the time, but this is a good thing that you can do. And that is buy some incredible 430 movie swag from 430movie.com. This is where you can get the coolest t-shirts, notebooks, mugs, and bric-a-brac. I just wanted to say bric-a-brac. <laughs> there and, is bric-a-brac. Uh, and and it'll make a very special gift. One is Steve Melching. Absolutely. I love my 430 movie t-shirts. Steve is uh, is like our, our poster child for 430 movie shirts. He's he's constantly in a new one every uh, every episode. <laughs> this I is know. such a great idea. I know that when I ask my wife what she wants for Christmas, she says, "Hey, I would love to have some things from the 430 movie." And I say, "I know just the place to find them <laughs> on 430movie.com." <laughs> <laughs> you will never regret it. So go to 430movie.com right now and pick up the best in holiday swag for your loved one or someone you just like a little bit. Hey, this is Altman, Mark Altman, and welcome back to the 430 movie. And indeed, this is Connery Week. High above an extinct Japanese volcano, four heavily armored black helicopters spin through the sky in a dance of death. Their target, one man in a flying arsenal that fits in two alligator suitcases. The odds, four to one. They haven't got a chance. Now. 
Sean Connery is James Bond in Ian Fleming's You Only Live Twice. Sean Connery, James Bond, 007, You Only Live Twice. An Albert R. Broccoli, Harry Salzman presentation in Panavision Technicolor from United Artists, a Transamerica company. You Only Live Twice and Twice is the only way to live. Welcome, guys. Welcome back. It's so I, great I, to you. be back. <laughs> I want to introduce you to all your favorite 430 movie hosts. In case you forget how this works, we curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies. This week's theme, unfortunately, is Sean Connery week. Sean Connery passed away this last week, uh, a legend at 90, 90 years old. Uh, he seemed immortal. And uh, it's amazing when we talked about it that we had not yet done a Sean Connery week. So it seemed only appropriate that we reconverge to celebrate the life and motion pictures of Sean Connery. He and sails of course, into history. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to welcome you back. Our, uh, Mr. Monday himself, it's Stephen Melching. Hello there. Very excited to be here. And I, I realized uh, that I had already picked not one, not two, not three, but four Sean Connery movies in past episodes. Well, then I guess you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about that because we think, you know, since it's Sean Connery week, we're celebrating his life, that uh, films that have been picked in the past will be eligible. Yeah, we're sure. not going to limit it because we've had so many Sean Connery movies on the show prior to this that to to eliminate uh, them would be, would be doing a disservice to Sean Connery week. So Tuesday... Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the man, the myth, the legend, Darren Doctorman. I'm no longer a legend, by the way. I still am a man and still am a myth. <laughs> and of myth, course, Darren Doctorman. You know him as the voice <laughs> of Wednesday. It's Mr. Ashley Edward Miller. Ashley, Mr. welcome back. Ashley Contrarian. Yes, it's so good to be here. I, of course, I'm a contrarian, so no, it's not. <laughs> you know, I, I got to disagree. I don't think it's so much that Ashley is a contrarian. No. I think he's a left field thinker. Yeah. I think he, he thinks so far out of the box that you can't even see the box yeah. from where he's thinking it. But I don't think he's a contrarian. But no. you do see the box once he explains his thinking. Yes. And then it all, makes sense. It all the box. snaps into focus. Oh, there's yes. a box. There's a box. Yeah. It's like Plato in the myth of the cave, only totally different. Don't play with Plato in the cave. Uh, it gets no, all Jeffrey's dried out there. and crumbly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then so, everybody uh, screams at you and try to I'm... And of course, on Thursday, we have Mark A. Altman. Mark Prevaricator Altman. And I am, I, I am, I'm the voice of Thursday. And no doubt we'll have... Uh, have something to say about Thursday, a film. Maybe you'll leave me a film to, to pick for Thursday or, or, or 50. I don't know. But uh, and of course, on Friday, we will come to we will attempt to broach a consensus left, right, in between. We will find a consensus and that will be our Friday pick. So uh, it's great to be back here with you. It was actually really nice, I think, to see how many of our fans and audience during the hiatus uh, were um, clamoring for our return. And it's it's been very difficult. Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, of course, and uh, thankfully we're all lucky enough to be working. But uh, it's great to be able to, uh, re you know, reconvene here 
you know, uh, as we I, said, I think, uh, you know, when we, I think we all expected to be back in the studio by now yeah. uh, when we, yes. we started our hiatus, but sadly we haven't been able to get back into the studio. So um, we'll make and, do. And yeah. we're actually still deciding how we're going to come back. I mean, obviously if you're listening to this, we're and, back, yeah. but whether we are once every two weeks or something like that, that's yet to be decided. So uh, if you, if you hear us next week, then that means that's what we decided. If you hear us one time, you've done good. If you, if you hear, hear us, us twice, every night. David Lynch week. Nice. <laughs> if if we're calling you from inside the house, this is the podcast. This is the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which, when are we doing David Lynch week? Oh my god! You know yeah. what? He's Don't look at David me. Lynch. He's all over the zeitgeist. He's doing his weather report again. He's doing his, his number of the day. He's uh, you know he's all over the uh, all over the YouTubes. He's all he's all over the YouTubes. Maybe we should just send send our thoughts into the universe. Maybe we want to actually commit it to um, today. To, I'm going to, uh, to make to, to quinoa. A podcast. Quinoa, yes. <laughs> if you haven't watched the YouTube video of David Lynch making quinoa, do yourself a favor and check it out. Just do don't it. eat quinoa while you still have time. <laughs> well listen this is all and about Angel's sean connery is that sean i connery? uh <laughs> i i want to ask uh, i want to ask you guys before we we we, we pick uh, uh our films when, when when did you when were you first introduced to the um the filmography of sean connery uh i mean really a lot of people have said this is the death of the last movie star and, and while that that's true to a certain extent i mean clint eastwood thankfully is still with us um, Harrison Ford still with us, um, but you know he certainly is one of the last movie stars. Absolutely, and um, you know Nicholson is still still with us. But um, when were you first introduced to uh, this icon of cinema, uh, Steve Melching? Uh, I'm sure it had to have been watching uh, James Bond movies on TV growing up. Right, that had to be and, it. Ashley, what about you? You know. Strangely enough, I, because I'm a little bit younger than you guys, my first Bond was Roger Moore. Um, and uh, I believe that my first experience with Sean Connery was um, was probably, you know, something like Outland, you know, like just, just something that was just, uh, I don't want to say that it's random, but it's not the first thing that leaps to your mind. You know, that you go, oh, yeah, Sean Connery. Hmm. Huh. What about you, Darren? It's interesting. Because Sean Connery was in the uh, first movie I ever saw in a theater when I was like three years old. Uh, and I, I remember the title of it and I remember a couple scenes from it, but uh, it's, I called, guess. it's called The Red Tent. And I think it came out in 1970. But uh, my mom took me, as she would often do, to uh, New York, uh, to Radio City Music Hall. And it was playing there, and it was my first experience in a theater. And uh, that's the movie that we saw. And I've never seen it since. It's, it's a very strange thing. But he was in that, and I think Peter Finch is in it too. And I don't remember who else, but it's, it's about... It's about uh, a red tent out in the snow someplace. I remember that. 
<laughs> well, it's funny. I, I, um, I remember uh, in my mind watching the uh, version of Star Trek V in which Sean Connery played Cybok instead of Lawrence Luckenberg. You, you, you know, that was always the plan. They had wanted Sean Connery for Cybok, which is the reason that Shakari is called the uh, Shakari because it's a take on Sean Connery. Share yeah. your pain Not with me and gain strength from the sharing. <laughs> I just appreciate it, Lawrence Luckenbill, but I, I think if Sean Connery had, in fact, played Cybok, I think that Cybok would have stuck in the canon. I've always wanted to go back and redub all of Lawrence Luckenbill's lines with Sean Connery's voice. Fast. Well, you know what I think might have happened? I think that the studio would have put more money into special effects if they had Sean Connery. You mean any money? Yeah, so I think that that things would have been very different if if they'd gotten Sean Connery Absolutely. for that movie. Absolutely. And it would have been a much more high profile picture. Um so uh well, wasn't you know, he another but, release that year, a little film? Yeah, he was in the Indiana uh, Jones and the Last Crusade. Right. So uh which was another Paramount movie. At the time, before it was owned by Disney, so uh, yeah, my my first uh, my first uh, introduction to Sean, very much like Steve's, in that uh, was the ABC Sunday Night Movie. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I think I probably saw mm -hmm. maybe Goldfinger first, and then later on saw From Russia with Love and Doctor No, because I'd already right, seen the ABC movie. Sunday Night Movie, the one that started all Doctor No. Seven is here, sir. Sean Connery is agent 007. There. Now you made me miss it. And he's getting away with murder. Your license to kill, not get killed. Everybody wants him. Dead. I never fail, Mr. Bond. The movie that started it all. With Ursula Andress. Do you have the woman of your own? The original Bond is back in Dr. No. Next. <laughs> and, you know who could forget ernie anderson saying that uh, i remember that almost as well as the bond movies and you know when i was doing my bond book because as you may know i did a a book about james bond called what? nobody does it better now out of paperback but uh, someone was telling me it was actually arnie bernstein the producer of a uh, spy game was telling me about how he was with connery one day and uh they for a meeting and, and connery had locked himself out of his apartment he had a condo here in la and uh so he said, oh, well, do you want to talk to the superintendent and get the key? He goes, no. And he just climbed up out on a fourth floor balcony and started jumping balconies until he got to his apartment and then went in through the porch. And he, and he was like, oh, my God, this he is James Bond. I mean, wow. it was it was he, uh, crawled into this, he crawled into this window that was lined up with the mouth of a big painted woman. <laughs> Anita Ekberg, yeah, exactly, exactly. And now so, the embarrassing uh, death of Sean. Why do you think he was such a superstar? Because he was a stud. That's why. I think he embodied the, certainly the 60s ideal of the male. You know, very, uh, very powerful, very uh, no-nonsense, uh, he exuded uh, sexuality and uh, and virility. Um, he was, you know, obviously physically uh, tall, strong, dark-haired, uh, 
He was, you know, he was the idea of a male star. He was, mm. yeah, he was very self-confident. He was the epitome of the old adage, you know, uh, women want him, men want to be him. Yeah, That's right. yeah. You know, it's yeah. only he, I think, and Daniel Craig have really embodied that that quality in James Bond. And that's, but he, I, he also had this this sly sense of humor about him too. Right. He was mm -hmm. very he, he exuded intelligence and humor at the same time as that masculinity. You wanted to have a drink with him, yeah, or more than one. I think one. that was well, what was so great months. was that he 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 was self deprecating and he mm -hmm. did not suffer fools gladly. Right. So in that sense, I think the 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 film version of that model of manhood was Connery, and for many of us. The TV version was Shatner, you know. Right. Th those were the the male role models that we as aspired to. Now, see, and see, that's another argument for him as Cyborg in Star Trek Five, right there. It just would have been maybe it was just too much man in one. Movie. <laughs> too much man for one movie to handle. That's that, right. that does Our not sound like something. Would not have known what to do with themselves. <laughs> well, I I I tweeted uh, on the day that I found out he died uh, that. Uh, the world's supply of testosterone has markedly decreased today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because he, he just exuded it. Yeah. And I, and I tweeted because, uh, you know, I approach it from a different perspective. I tweeted, I'm sure upon his arrival at heaven, the first person he saw was Kevin McClory asking him to remake Thunderball again <laughs> as Warhead 2022. <laughs> Because, <laughs> of course, infamously, yes. Kevin McClory, you know, for 30 years, was always trying to get him to do James Bond movies. You know, I mean, it started in the early 70s and then he, you know, he landed his white well in the 80s. And then Connery famously said, never say never, you know, it may never say never again. But then, you know, McClory never stopped trying. Yeah. So. Well, there was um, a, there was also kind of an erudition about him. And uh, another one of our friends, Jeff Bond, posted uh i think it was jeff posted a link to the a youtube video of the um the those classical music record of peter and the wolf mm. uh what's it called uh uh it's about uh, sean connery's like teaching listeners about the orchestra and right. he narrates this it's wonderful i listened to the whole thing i went down this rabbit hole where he's kind of narrating and teaching the listener about the different groups right. of instruments and, and everything. It's really great. And the duck is played by an oboe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that, that I, think, uh, I think that brings us uh, to this week. I mean, the greatest way to honor uh, Sean Connery, of course, is through his work. And he leaves such uh, an amazing body of work behind which uh, I don't know if we can do justice to in one show, but we're sure going to try. And of course, as always, we'll kick it off on Monday with Steve Melching. Well, it's funny you mentioned, you asked us all what our first experience was with Sean Connery. And my pick is the first Connery movie that I saw in a movie theater. Um, I, I had been aware of him. I'd seen probably at least two or three of his Bond films or parts of them on TV at this point. Um, but this is the first time I saw him on the big screen. And um, I want to read uh, an excerpt from the screenplay uh, about when his character is introduced. And this was in the first draft of the screenplay. When the great warrior removes his helmet, he reveals himself to be none other than Sean Connery, 
or an actor of equal, equal but cheaper stature. <laughs> and uh, they actually got Connery. So in the second draft of the screenplay, it read, who it turns out we can afford. Oh <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about 1981's Time Bandits. Saved my life, remember? The enemy of the people is dead! Uh, a movie that you couldn't say he was the star of because he's only in the movie for about 12 minutes, but he did receive second billing in the movie. And I would argue he's the heart of the movie. Yeah. Um, he is the the one character that uh, the, the child Kevin encounters in his travels through time that seems to actually care about him and nurture him and becomes a father figure to him. And I just loved this movie when it came out and uh, it was one of the first films I bought on Criterion Laserdisc back in the day. And, uh, you know, Connery is a delight in it, playing King Ag Agamemnon. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is a, a character that the, the, the boy has looked up to since the opening scene of the movie where he's talking about the Greeks and, and the, the kings of Agamemnon. So when he actually meets this person in the, you know, in the persona of Sean Connery, no less, it's a big deal. And, uh, and of course, Connery returns at the very end playing one of the firemen that have responded to the fire at his parents' house. Um, but it's just a, a incredibly clever, inventive uh, time travel movie, uh, of course, written by Terry Gilliam and Michael Palin, directed by Gilliam, Terry Gilliam, uh, and starring, you know, a whole list uh, of who's who from, uh, you know, some of the Pythons like Michael Palin and John Cleese to David Warner to uh, Kenny Baker, uh, uh, Jack Purvis, uh, David Rappaport, um, and some interesting people that I noticed uh, I didn't realize was in the film until my most recent viewing, Declan Mulholland. Oh, Job of the Hutt. Wearing a big fur coat, no less. He's part of Robin Hood's gang. He was typecast. Um, yeah. And, uh, and of course, uh, some of Terry Gillen. On my boy. <laughs> on me boogie. Uh, uh, Charles McEwen and uh, Dennis Winston are also in it. And they play minor characters in all of Gilliam's early films. They're also in uh, Brazil and Baron Munchausen. But... Um, Sean Connery owns this movie. I mean, he's he is the big star, movie star in this movie, and his his he just takes over the movie when he's on screen, and uh, you know he has this great relationship. Even though it only lasts a few minutes of screen time, uh, it really does form the uh, the the core emotion in the movie. It's That's got a great choice. Incredible weight. Right. It's the thing that really grounds that film and actually gives it some pathos. Um, right. And and I think even makes, you know, the ending, you know, with like, don't touch it, it's evil. You know, it's like there's just something about the ending because he's there as a fighter fighter that, you know, firefighter that makes it feel like it's it's going to be OK. Um, and it's it's the one thing in the movie that truly feels serious. Right. That, that truly feels like 
um like these are real people in a in a real relationship i love time bandits it's one of my favorite movies um it was revelatory to me as a as a kid um and i don't think it's the same movie without sean connor well it's that that i love that heartbreaking moment uh during the big celebration with Connery and the, the, the time bandits are there in disguise right. and they're bringing Kevin up onto stage to be part of the performance and they're keeping their eye on the watch because a time door is gonna open and they put up the, the curtain and then the curtain goes down and everyone's gone and everyone and all the Greeks erupt in applause, including Sean Connery. But Connery is like the first person to realize that something's wrong and he's just that that physical acting he stops clapping and he stands up slowly and that horrible realization that this kid is gone this kid that he had literally adopted and made his heir uh to the, his kingdom has just vanished it kills you and you and they're trying to save him that's the bitch of it right it's like they're not trying to harm him like they're, they think mm-hmm. they're rescuing him that it's like the the irony of it kills it's awesome time bandit is an interesting choice because this is a film when it came out. It was the the film all the cool kids liked. You know, it was hip. It was funny. It was a real cult sensation. Um, very popular. And now it's kind of really overlooked, although there was talk of them doing it as a TV series for a while. Um, you know, it, it, was the number I, ten, it was the number 10 film that year at the box office, wow. interestingly. I didn't realize that. And that's why I love a show like 430 Movie to shine a light on something like this, because it really is not a film that people talk much about anymore, but it really is a terrific movie. And and it was made for $5 million. You know, one of the producers, George Harrison, one of the Beatles, uh, through his production company. And it's just, you know, Terry Gilliam is so good at and his team at, at, at squeezing every last bit of, you know, sort of production value out of out of that budget. You know, shoot. They shot the the Greece scenes in in Morocco, one of the first uh, Western films to shoot there. Um, Five million dollars. You know that wouldn't if, if you imagine that they did that that movie as a TV series, right? Like that wouldn't pay for half the pilot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. the budget. If they did a TV series now, right? It would be. It would cost more than that per episode. Yep. That's the amazing thing. And that shows you how the industry has changed. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't get a theatrical waste. Yeah. So, and uh, and also the fact that Steve has to explain who George Harrison is tells you how much (laughs) this business has changed. Um, Okay, so that's Monday Time Bandits, great way to kick us off, which of course brings us to Tuesday and Darren Doctorman. Indeed, it does. And uh, Tuesday, of course, is the second day of the week. (laughs) Yes, it is. It has absolutely nothing to do with my pick, but I just thought it was funny. Um, those of you uh, watching us on the uh, uh, Electric Surge app will see that uh, the poster I have behind me is of uh, You Only Live Twice. Um, twice is the only way to live. That's correct. Uh, which is the film Read that... Uh, right now. Which is, which is the <laughs> film that my mom's water broke with me. Um, it's a lot however, of... However... Yes? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. However, I'm not picking any Bond film because I think those are all, you know, those are all a given, you know? Those are all that he's great in all of them, even the not so good ones that he's in. Um so uh I'm going to go with something that uh was sort of the uh the introduction to his later um uh box office 
uh, triumphs. And that is, uh, I believe it's 1987, I believe. I'm not looking at any cheating uh, websites, you right. understand. Uh, the Hunt for Red October. I grew up around here. My grandfather took me to fish off that island right over there. There is one question you haven't asked me yet. Why? Well, I figured you would tell me when you were ready. Now, there are those who believe we should attack the United States first, settle everything in one moment. Red October was built for that purpose. When the dust settles from this, is going to be hell to pay in Moscow. Well, perhaps maybe some good will come from it. A little revolution now and then is a healthy thing, don't you think? Do you still like to fish, Ryan? There's a river, not unlike this one, near Vilnius, where my grandfather taught me to fish. And the sea will grant each man new hope. A sleep brings dreams. Christopher Columbus. Welcome to the new world, sir. That was Maybe 19- it's later. Maybe it's later 90, than that. 1990. 90. Yeah, it's three years later, in fact. Yeah. Well, yep. that just means that I got so much enjoyment of it, I thought I had seen it earlier. Um, it made you feel young. Yeah. Like when the made, world was new. It made me feel three years younger. Um, it is so much fun. Even even without Sean Connery in it, it is a fun story. It has an amazing cast. Uh, even Alec Baldwin is is decent in it, and I think he is actually he's actually uh, the best. Uh, uh, what's his name? The the character. Uh, he's the best. Uh, Jack, Jack Ryan. Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think Definitely. he was the best one. Because he, he seems like a he seems like a researcher. He seems like a, a desk bound person. Harrison Ford I never believe is a researcher. You know, for the same reason I don't believe Arnold Schwarzenegger is a computer dealer in uh, True Lies. Uh, the same <laughs> the same reason because he's just completely not believable. But Alec Baldwin definitely is. And the fact that they bring in Connery to play this uh, Vilnius Nastavnik, the Vilnius schoolmaster who trained all of Russia's sub-commanders, um, uh, Captain Marco Ramius, um, is absolutely wonderful, even though he goes through the film with a Scottish accent. He's just himself. And the thing is, never once did I disbelieve him. I completely believe that he was a, uh, you know, he was a Lithuanian, uh, Russian 
subboat captain. Even when he was speaking Russian with a with a Scottish accent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> New Parovska. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's it he's so good and I just I just love his performance. I have I I, I did grab a couple uh uh lines that he had in it. Um and I just have to I have to read them because they're so they're so poetic even though they're dumb lines but he says them so beautifully and i'm just going to try and and emulate that we will pass through the american patrols past their sonar nets we will lay off their largest city and listen to their rock and roll while we conduct missile drills then we sail to havana where the sun is warm and so is the comradeship I'm reminded of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin, when the world trembled at the sound of our rockets. Well, they will tremble again at the sound of our silence. The order is, engage the silent drive. He's just so freaking good. And uh, it has a great score. And, uh, you know, all the secondary characters are marvelously cast. Um, yeah, from England and America and Australia yeah. and New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I think there's two Russians in the movie, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's just so well told, and there's so many good character moments for everybody in the movie. The characters are so well drawn in that yeah. movie, from you know the 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 the, uh, the American sub captain and his whole yeah. crew. The different uh, the different characters on board, uh, Ramius's sub. Yeah, very yeah. very clear, very distinct. Well, everybody forgets that um, the Hunt for Red October. Like it, we don't forget that it was based on a novel because you know, Tom Clancy would never have let us forget. Right. Um, but that was a book that nobody really wanted to touch. That it was originally published, I think, by the Naval Institute Press. Right. And it was the most surprising of all surprise bestsellers. Because the book is really dry. It is dry, but you know, it's like the Moby Dick of like, of submarine novels, Yeah, but it's also really good and really smart. Like when I worked at, for the Navy, man, like that was the thing, that was the shit. And it, it's, it, I, I don't want to play the you took mine game, even though we play the you took mine game all the time here in the right. 430 movie, but you took, I took mine. yours. Because yeah. I actually worked for um, the, uh, the captain, the man who was captain of the USS Dallas during the time that uh, the Hunter Red October was set, basically the character Scott Glenn was based nice. on um, uh, retired uh, Admiral Frank Lacroix. I've got many, many stories about Admiral Lacroix, but uh, but yeah, I, I feel this weird connection to the whole thing. But I agree. I think it's it's my favorite of the Tom Clancy adaptations. Absolutely. Um, and and Connery is just amazing. He owns that movie. He brings such soul. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, again, it's it's like we were talking about Time Bandits. He brings this weight, this gravity. He brings this pathos to it. He's a real it's person. Undeniable. Yeah, like you, you yeah, love he's the, him. Yeah, he's yeah, the he's center the of gravity in any movie that he's in. It, it, it's funny you mentioned the book being, you know, sort of dry and 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 clinical. I I recall that initially that book was sold at the bookstore under the Pentagon. There's a bookstore, there's a mall mm -hmm. underneath the Pentagon in DC. And I remember they sold that book there, I think before it was. Yeah, but know. that's under the how-to section. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's exactly right. But there's like the crazy Ivan yeah. was in there, you know, but um, the thing also about Connery, I think that's so important about the role that he plays is you kind of have to believe that the crew of this Soviet sub would, you know, turn their backs, you know, on the motherland uh, and that they would sail into the unknown with Marco Ramius. And oh, yeah. you need someone with that kind of charisma. And who but Sean Connery could have pulled that off other than Shatner? <laughs> I hey, think Shatner is Marco Ramius. I don't know. I think Shatner Shatner wouldn't have been able to hold the the gravitas enough because Aaron, of I, his personality. I think we have to hear that speech as Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Now, cry out like Shatner. Let's see. <laughs> There's things in here that don't react well to phasers. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do the communicator. No kidding. We will pass through the American patrols, pass their sonar nets. We will lay off their largest city and listen to their rock and roll while we conduct missile drills. Then we will sail to Havana, where the sun is warm and so is the comradeship. I'm reminded of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin when the world trembled at the sound of our rockets. They will tremble again at the sound of our silence. The order is engage the silent drive. That's how it could have been. Let's. <laughs> now, I only let's wonder how it would be with let's the Muppets. Right. The Muppets. The <laughs> I, I would hate to see Fozzie as Marco Ramius, but I think that's how it would work out. <laughs> but Scott Glenn is Sam the Eagle. That definitely. Oh, my goodness. You know, and then I don't know who would be uh, James Earl Jones, but. Uh, you, Probably you, Ralph. Ralph. With his sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you work out all the math on this, Jonesy? <laughs> the Russians don't take a dump without a plan. We will go over the rainbow connection to Havana. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, it's good to be back, boys. Good to be back. Things so, yeah, don't uh, react well to bullets. Manamana. <laughs> so... Uh, Hunt for October. It's we picked it for Under the Sea Week. Uh, yes. A wonderful, you know, and again directed by the great and underrated John McTiernan. His films include uh, Die Hard and Predator and Hunt for Red October and Incarcerated. And, yeah, but you know, <laughs> yeah. let's look at he's been. Oh, you know, he he's he's done some really really great films. He's done his time, but he's also done amazing work. Yes, and uh, and a wonderful, wonderful pick. And Connery, uh, if, you, if if you can believe him as a Russian naval captain, you can believe him as anything. Yep. So uh, great pick. That brings us to uh, Ashley. And thank God you left League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for him. Yes. Uh, by picking <laughs> yeah. uh, Hunt for October. It's funny. Um, it, here's the thing. I uh, wow, I just said it. You just uh, said it story about Sean Connery that um, he famously passed on a number of just hugely important roles in just very huge genre films. You know, he was offered Gandalf. He was offered Morpheus. 
Uh, and somebody asked him about that and he, you know, he was talking about it and he said, you know, I was offered Gandalf in Lord of the Rings and I passed because I didn't understand it. And I was offered Morpheus in the Matrix films and I passed because I didn't understand it. And so when I was offered this role, I said yes. And that role was Alan Quatermain in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And now, I still didn't understand it. And I still didn't understand <laughs> it, but I did it. I mean, but the thing about it is, like, I there's so many reasons why I want to nominate the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And maybe I just should. Maybe I should just commit. Maybe I shouldn't pull an Altman here. You know what? I'm not gonna. Um, I, I am gonna stick with it, by God. Even though there's a movie that I desperately, like, want to go back to and actually nominate. That I, There are so many movies that I want to go back to and nominate that I desperately love. I am actually going to nominate the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I'll tell you why. It's pulling a crazy <laughs> Ivan. <laughs> yeah, because really, it was his last film. That was the movie. Yeah, sure. Sean Connery died like a week ago. But, you know, he went out with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, I mean, come on, right? All right no, Are you actually, sure that was even, his last film? I, yes. I'm pretty sure it was his that, last yeah, film. That was his last film. He decided he was done after that. He had an awful experience, uh, famously fought uh, with Stephen Norrington, the director, and he basically said he was done after this movie. I, I, I think he did he some voiceover work subsequently. Yeah. may have done. This was his last live-action feature film. Yeah, and I, look, here's a... Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a terrible film. There's so many reasons why it's a terrible film. I don't know that you can lay it all at Stephen Norrington's feet, except for the fact that you know, the buck has to stop somewhere. I don't know that he um, that he thrived in the environment that Tom Rothman created. I don't know that anybody really understood what that material was supposed to be. But on paper, in the platonic ideal of what the League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Gentlemen could have been, I mean, is there anybody that you would have rather cast as Alan Quatermain? Right. I mean, here well, is Sean know, Connery. Go ahead. On paper... You know, I, I remember reading the comic. I like that's kind of a fun idea. You know, the Alan Moore comic. It's it's kind of a fun idea, and yeah. you can kind of see how maybe it could have worked. It's like you look at Connery as as Indiana Jones's dad, and kind of wonder, wow, like maybe there's something to that. Maybe that could be incredibly cool. And God knows they really tried to bring that dynamic into the film. Um, wow, it just didn't work at all. Like <laughs> nothing in that movie worked. I mean, and look, this this podcast is all about the love right so right now i'm just keeping my love like onto sean connery see i i still think they should have had richard chamberlain pay, play alan oh, quarterman yeah. totally. sure <laughs> to make it three films it, right that he plays alan quarterman in right oh my gosh he was so hot in that in that alan quarterman movie <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah i know look i'm not even beginning to make the argument that i like this if this was about the movies that i like there's a lot of other crap I would have nominated. Like even things that I know that you guys don't necessarily roll with me on, like Highland, right? I would be now- Like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> the only reason why I want to have this conversation about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is that it is weirdly the capstone. It was, it was the movie that made him go, you know what? Enough of this crap. I'm out. Right? That's because true, yeah. That's something of an accomplishment. And it's almost worth watching. It accomplished what, what all the Bond villains couldn't. 
Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. It made it quick. It yeah, ended it, his it, career. It yeah. Like Mark is shaking his head. He's like, oh, God, Ashley. I'm like, there done? are five days in a week of the 430 movie. There are ye uh, decades of extraordinary films to choose from. Oscar winning films. Yes. But you choose the film that was so horrendous it drove him out of the business it's like when if we've <laughs> done G when we when we did gene hackman son. week when we did gene hackman week it would be like picking his final movie that in which he just said i'm done i'm finished <laughs> it's like <laughs> i mean i you've had some insane oh. picks before but this to me is like beyond the pale beyond the pale but like you planted this in my head, it's like a like a virus. It's like I don't even I don't even know what's happening on this show anymore. So in a sense, it's all Mark's fault. It really is all. <laughs> don't Mark's blame fault. me. <laughs> like what is this idiocy? Like I think like my very first experience with Sean Connery was the ABC Sunday Night Movie, but it wasn't James Bond because at that point they were just rerunning all the Roger Moore movies. Right. It was Outland. That was the movie that I saw. That was the movie that I loved. That was like, yeah, that's cool. That's so fast. fine. Then pick Outland. Fine, I pick Outland. <laughs> you know why? Because Outland is awesome. Because maybe they are right. He sent me here to this pile of shit because he think I belong here. I want to find out if, well, if they're right. There's a whole machine that works because everybody does what they're supposed to. I found out I was supposed to be something I didn't like. That's what's in the program. That's my rotten little part in the rotten machine. I don't like it. So I'm going to find out if they're right. Directed by Peter Hyams, 1981, like, Sean Connery has a twofer, man. He has Outland, he, out, Outland, because Outland is like Iceman. He's Outland, he has Time Bandits. I mean, he has a pretty good year. Outland is not the best movie Sean Connery ever made, but it is a great little Western that I happen to love. I know that I, I think at least one of you shares my affection. Uh, I picked film. it on the show! I picked it on the show. I said, Peter Himes does what he does best, ripping off Ridley Scott at yeah. high noon. What's <laughs> not to love? There you go. <laughs> so there you go. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back for you because, God damn it, Sean Connery can't go out on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We can't allow that to happen. No. Can we? No. no. Can we? You can't. We can't. League of Extraordinary Outland. Yes, the League of Outlandish Gentlemen. Or you can save Outland for Francis Sternhagen week. It's up to you. But you know what Connery could have gone out on? And I'd love to hear a little Marjane's bit. greatest adventure. If, uh, if uh, Sir Sean would indulge us uh, in his uh, performance as Gandalf. Oh, boy. I can't, <laughs> I can't I can't do it. Darby I can't do it. <laughs> because I don't understand it. <laughs> I would have to go into into uh, the uh, you know. Can you the, give us a "You shall not pass"? Black speech of of Mordor, and uh, a wizard arrives. All that a wizard is uh, never late. No, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to trick me this time. 
You're a sorcerer, that one. Okay, well, then how about Shatner's Gandalf? <laughs> Shatner's not going to be Gandalf. Yeah. I, uh, I fools. Want... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say, Ashley, I think you've made a fine choice going with Outland. Yes. <laughs> it would also be featured on Intravision and Peter Boyle Week. Yes. <laughs> Another thing I, I always remember fondly from Outland, they put out uh, one of those big oversized photo novels mm. of Outland, as mm -hmm. I recall, like in the mm -hmm. same like trade paperback size as the Alien one, mm. um, where I have the, you know, beautiful full pages of, uh, you know, stills from the movie with in comic book form format. Which feels Out very much like watching the film itself, unfortunately. <laughs> Outland, it comes from the days where bad movies were still good. Right. Now yeah. bad movies are just bad. bad. Right. Back yeah. then, like Outland was a mediocre movie, but right. it looks like genius compared to the stuff that <laughs> is passed off as movies today. It's a relatively yeah, short movie. It's a relatively short movie. I think it may be like mm -hmm. 100 minutes, maybe, something like that. But it feels like a full two and a half hours when you're watching it. <laughs> And, and it, it's got that going for it. <laughs> but I love that he, you know, he has to do the honorable thing. He stays behind. But, you know, it's so informed by that Ridley Scott kind of production design. I mean, like the, the base on Io feels like a cool science fiction milieu, you know? Yeah, because he, he grabbed the same crew. <laughs> he grabbed the same crew from Alien, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was talk of remaking Outland. It never happened. So, well, there's like, still time. Um, just it's not it's never too late Guys, so the great pick there ashley pick league of extraordinary gentlemen okay that's the important thing we avoided that, that i just we avoided that, that. The, i just like that the mad magazine version of outland was called outlandish yeah see but i i i played a very dangerous game because now for thursday i can pick the league of extraordinary yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> please do I, I know what you're gonna pick anyway but go ahead do you think uh -huh. do, you, do you, I don't think you know, because I, my first name starts with an M. I'm a very partial to M names. I I'm know what you're going to say. No, you, you think, you think, now I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. Uh-huh, yep, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh -huh. But I'm not a fan of Marnie. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. Wrong. <laughs> not a fan of Marnie, like Tippi Hedren. By the way, did you see that hysterical Birds parody they did on Sarah Live last week? I mean, that was great. And it was so crazy because, like, who's going to get that besides, like, eight people? Yeah. <laughs> and I just shown it to my kids. They loved it. But it was like, um, not many people are going to get that reference to the birds. It was really funny. Um, but I, 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 now if I was going to stick with the M's, this is the one. The big one. Sean Hurdling, Connery was not Morgan. in Moonraker. No. Meteor. <laughs> Oh, you bet no. it's Meteor. No, no, no. I'm not going to pick Meteor. Meteor was one of those big Irwin Allen wannabe films. Yeah. Um, you know, where this giant meteor hurtling towards Earth. And and Sean Connery proving he can play anything was played a brilliant scientist that was in charge of our nuclear weapons platform in space that along with the Russians is the only thing that could stop uh, a meteor hurling towards Earth. And of course, you sit through two and a half hours of the slowest most lugubrious, lethargic uh, storytelling to get to like the five minutes where the, the meteor hits the earth and you see basically New York get destroyed um, in a bad rear projection of special effects. But no, look, in, in all seriousness, for me, for Sean Connery week, 
you know, and we've done James Bond week before, but we missed obviously a lot of films because it was only seven days at 007. Mm-hmm. I, I have to go with the one that started it all. Dr. No, that was the movie. It wasn't Darby O'Gill and the little people that introduced the world to Sean Connery. That wasn't the film that made him a a superstar. You know, I mean, maybe if they were going to do, maybe he would have been in Willow instead of Val Kilmer. But, uh, but no, the Dr. No, I mean, it it changed, it transformed the sixties. I mean, it created this franchise that is still with us today. And, you know, it's not as big and as epic as as some of the doc as the other films have followed, but this was by all rights a low budget film. This is a one point two million dollar movie. Has some of the greatest scenes in any Bond film. The scene where um you know he's waiting uh for for you know um you know in the in the house after after he sleeps with with the girl who tried to kill him mm-hmm. on his way up there, and then uh, he waits for the and, assassin. And when when Dent shows up, when Dent shows up. You know, and, and and fires at the pillows in in the bed, and he exhausts his his weapon, and 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 uh, and then Bond basically waits for him to try and fire at him, only to realize you know he that he counted his shots and he's out of bullets. I mean, it's a great scene, yeah. and and you know you have that wonderful scene where he's sitting with Joseph Wiseman as Doctor No, you know, just having a delightful little um, conversation. It's the old uh, well, I will now tell you my plan since you're never going to get out of here alive. And he says, you know, I thought maybe there was a place for you among Spectre, but I see you are nothing but a stupid policeman. It, it, it's great. So, I mean, there's so much about Dr. No other than that, you know, dreadful Monty Norman score that um, works like gangbusters. Yeah. And, uh, you know, clearly anyone who saw it, I mean, we weren't born yet, but anyone who saw that, you know, was absolutely mesmerized by Sean Connery. And you know he's remarkable. He it, he he does it. It's like we always said about Shatner in um, uh, um, where no man has gone. Uh, where before. no man has gone before. He was Kirk from, from the get go. Yeah. He didn't have to find the character. Yeah. You know, and it was the same, same thing, thing with Sean Connery. He was James Bond from the get go. Now, why was that? A lot of that had to do with the director Terrence Young, mm-hmm. who taught him, who was the real James Bond in a sense, the way he carried himself. The way he ate, the you know, the, the 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 sophistication, the wit, but he basically sculpted the clay that was Sean Connery, this former milkman and bodybuilder, and turned him into what we would know as this elegant secret agent, you know. And uh, so that's why, to me, you know, Doctor No, you can't do a Sean Connery week without acknowledging the movie that made him a legend. Neuf à la banque. I need Carte. another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objections. What was it, madame? It's legal, monsieur. No. It's It's an idea at that. See, that just makes me want to see a um, like a, a like a biopic about about that, right? Like a Pygmalion with like Sean Connery being transformed into James Bond by Terrence Young. I think it'd be, be fantastic. But who would you get to play Sean Connery? Uh, wow, um, absolutely nobody. That's yeah, the problem. That's the problem. Um, Unless no, you make I, it a musical. Yes. <laughs> And then you make it My Fair Lady, My Fair Bond. 
You get Lady Gaga to play Sean Connery. I, I mean, you know, it, it, but uh, but but it just is. It's look, Doctor No is great, and um, but you know, I love all those early Doctor Bonds no. are great. There's not a bad Con- Connery movie until you really get to look. Never when I was a kid, again. I loved Diamonds Are Forever as a kid. Watch on the ABC Sunday Night movie. It's pretty bad now, mm-hmm. but it still has great scenes. Never Say Never Again is a mess, yeah. but even that has its moments. But you know, all the other movies are terrific. I mean, Darren talked about You Only Live Twice, and you know. I mean, even it's, that, Sean is, but he's yeah, great. I love it. Oh my God, I love that one. Can we but just talk about the fact that Dr. No's plan is involves bat guano? Sure. I well, mean, in the book, not yeah, in the, the book. Not but I was saying, it's like the audacity of like, of like, of creating this franchise based on a book where the villain's plan was all about bat guano. I mean, can we just give a shout out like to, to the movie that had the cojones to say, you know what? Yeah, major action film. Batman. And you could you could uh, argue that uh, Doctor No was sort of the once and future template of Bond films, oh, where absolutely. it was it was a very grounded film that didn't yeah. have those crazy set pieces and you know really outlandish su- characters and plans. And it's we've kind of come full circle where the the Daniel Craig movies are in a lot of ways more grounded in in sort of the real. Yeah, only the characters are ludicrous now. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was the template that all the other movies followed. I mean, you know, of course, in the Roger Moore era, you owe more to Goldfinger. But Dr. No ultimately paves the way for Casino Royale and, and uh, you know, all the grounded, more gritty Bond movies in the way that From Russia Love did as well. Um, but even Ursula Andress, you know, they talk about the Bond girl and how she was just such, um, you know, they weren't well-developed characters and they weren't resourceful. But you know, Ursula Andress was. I mean, mm-hmm. she killed the, the 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 man who put a tarantula under his bed. The man who 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 raped her, and and uh, she was resourceful. You know, she lost her family, and you know, she's she's you know on this island where everyone else is afraid to go, including Quarrel. But she's off there getting shells that she's going to sell. You know, um, I mean, she was a very strong, you know, empowered character. She's not like some shrinking violet. So. Even there in the early '60s, I mean, that's a, that's a you know very powerful woman in Ursula Andress. She's no Denise Richards. She's no Denise Richards exactly, um, and Joseph Wiseman is amazing as Doctor No. And there's you know Jack Lord is the best Felix Leiter they ever had next to Jeffrey Wright. So um, you know there's so so much about the movie that's great, and of course John Barry's orchestration of the Monty Norman theme, you know, is 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 one of the most memorable pieces of music ever. Um, so what do so, we think? We think that that it, the, you know the rumors about no time to die is what that that that, that they're going to kill Bond. Well, no, no, no. That uh, that that Remy Malik is uh, is actually Doctor No. I don't think that's true. I'm not saying that based on any knowledge, but I don't think that's true. But who knows? At Anything this point, he's Doctor Maybe. He's Doctor <laughs> Doctor Sure. Doctor Why not? <laughs> but I have to say that brings us to Friday. And there is this vast canvas. Now, there was that time in the 80s where he was Sean do anything for a paycheck Connery. You know, so there's a lot to skip over. But even there, there's a couple of films that have stood the test of time, like Highlander, where he plays Ramirez, mm-hmm. the Spaniard. Um, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Oof, yeah. Um, but, you know, you look at him in Rising Sun with uh, 
Phil you know, Kaufman uh, directed that, right? Phil Kaufman directed that exactly. Not one of his his be- his his better films. The Avengers is a great example. Although I kind of liked him as August the Winter when he dresses up as the bear. The bear? I mean, yeah. it's just so wacky. That's a terrible uh, movie. That's vaguely weird and interesting. That's a great description. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I honestly, like- I would for Friday nominate um, the movie that where that he won the Oscar for the best portrayal of being Sean Connery for a very long time um, when he was given the Oscar for The Untouchables. Mm. Well, it's hard to argue. I mean, he's so brilliant and he won the Oscar for The Untouchables, which has been picked for, I think, Gangster Week for this show. Um, You know, we haven't honored in which he does play James Bond under another name, which, of course, is Michael Bay's The Rock. Yeah. in which he teams up with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage as uh, a former discredited uh, English secret agent who's clearly James Bond. Uh, <laughs> I happen um, to love The Rock. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? Yeah. I, I think it's like completely bananas and insane and over the top. But like, but but Ed Harris is great. Sean Connery is great. Even Nick Cage is great. Um, you know, Michael Bay before somebody handed him like twelve cameras. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, actually like turns in like a really solid action piece because he had like you know Jerry Bruckheimer standing over him and at least imposing like some discipline on like what he does. Um, I I love that movie. It's got a great Hans Zimmer score. It's got like the Tony Todd going, "Where's my fucking money?" <laughs> and how do you argue with Tony Todd? By the way, if Tony Todd asked me where his money was, I would tell him. Just me. Nobody messes with Tony Todd. <laughs> I think I think we would all be remiss if we didn't at least give lip service to one that has been picked on on four thirty movie before. Uh, I believe during Michael Caine week, uh, oh, the yeah. man who would be king, which I thought yeah. was going to be your pick, my man. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, but it now it is. It really upset me that it wasn't. It was almost <laughs> my pick. I picked it for Michael Caine week because yeah. I, I I mean yeah. I love that movie. I have a one sheet for it. I thought I said that. in my house. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, it's, I mean, to me, that's my, I think that's my favorite Sean Connery movie. Cause mm. he's just, he's just so goddamn charming in yeah. that movie yeah. as Daniel Dravit, uh, you know, the, the soldier, uh, you know, on this, on this crazy quest to become Kings of Kafiristan mm-hmm. and kind of descending into madness and starting to kind of believe his own, you know, his own press and, you know, kind of losing his mind in a way. Well, you know, if this was uh, Sean Connery A to Z week, we would have to pick Zardoz. But I don't think that in any world that belongs on this list. You know, any actor who could pull off those red diapers without looking ludicrous is a real man. That's true. That's yeah. very true. He's so he guys. does. He does. Uh, Robin and Marion. I was just going to mention was a, that. That was a choice of mine uh, back uh, a, a while ago. 
It's, I've yeah, been meaning it's a, to revisit that movie. I saw it probably when I was in film school, and I, mm -hmm. I really liked it, and I feel I would like it even more now. Yeah, I think you would. It's it's great. He had a lot of success with director Sidney Lumet, where mm -hmm. he did, of course, The Offense. Famously, was a part of his deal with United Artists to do Diamonds Are Forever, and then later on, he did Murder on the Orient Express with Sidney Lumet. Not my favorite adaptation of an Agatha Christie, um, and he's not great in it. Um you know, one of those other 80s films that he did for the money that I'm not a fan of is the Presidio. Mm, um, okay. Now the site of uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, Lucasfilm, exactly. It's aggressively mediocre. Yeah. There's a movie that I've seen a lot of people talking about uh, since Connery's death that I've never seen, but now it sounds interesting, and that's The Hill. Has anyone mm -hmm. seen that? I haven't I've never seen, seen it. that. It's is it about a hill somewhere? Yes. Hmm. It's about a valley. Yeah, never, never, never saw What's it. What's it about? Uh, it's a it's a war movie, I believe. And they have to uh, get over this uh, hill. Probably. Oh no! It's, a, it's, it's Corolla it's, with Sean. It's a, yeah. It's a, you know, according to Wikipedia, it's a British American war drama film directed by Sidney Sidney Lumet set in an army prison in North Africa in the Second World War. I can't believe none of us have seen that. Yeah. Um, I like all please. those things. Uh, <laughs> so it's like Pappy Sean. That's a little joke for so, you. Wow. I, I realized that this is not any of our favorite entry in this particular series. The League of Extraordinary think, Gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I think we do at least have to mention Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Absolutely, you have to mention it. Of course, it. He's the, well, he's the best part mentioned. of it. Yeah. He's the best part of it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and and he made such a uh, uh, an impact in that role. I mean, that he really talk about re-entering the popular culture. I mean, people just love yeah. him in that movie. They love that relationship. Most people, other than us, consider it the second best of the Indiana Jones movies. We, of course, don't. Um, but uh, but oh. most people would. I actually has that lovely moment. Let it go, Indiana. Almost yeah. fired somebody who worked with me on a project because they said they liked it better than Raiders, oh, and I okay. no, I told them no. they lost all the respect I have. I'm sure them. they were just young. No, but young to be young and stupid. Uh. Um, <laughs> I, my my favorite my favorite uh, story from that is I guess when uh, they were doing the whole press junket, uh, and uh, someone uh, asked what it was like to be uh, Sean Connery's son to Harrison Ford. He said, well, you know, there's only, he's only 12 years older than me. <laughs> um, but after working with him, I, I think he could have done it. <laughs> That's respect. Yeah. That's mad. You know who loved, you know who loved working with him? Christian Slater loved working with him on uh, Name of the Rose, which uh, was a yeah, huge yeah. book when it I came out. It. Yep. And I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but boy, that that was one of those international bestsellers that, right. you know, kind of never really, the movie never popped the way that uh, I think they were expecting. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it in the theater and I don't remember anything about it except right. there were monks. Neither do I. That was the last time I saw it in a theater sometime <laughs> yeah. in the mid 80s. 1986 <laughs> came out. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another movie of his I haven't seen, which sounds quite interesting, is A Fine Madness. It's one of his early, oh. early movies. 
Um, and then, of course, there was that while where he come in and do the big star cameos, like his uncredited cameo in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yeah. which is right around the same time as First Night and Dragonheart. First you know, Night is really- actually pretty darn good. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's like, look, there's a lot of production design things that make me go like, eh. But, it's a little like, dodgy, but the casting is great. Story, yeah, yeah, the casting is great, and he's great. And I actually think he's really great in Dragonheart. Uh, like, I just love, like, I mean, if you're going to cast anybody as the voice of a dragon, and I don't a know Scott anybody sure who would need to do that, like, uh, Sean Connor is hard to go wrong with I Sean I think Connor. the only way I could watch that movie again is with my eyes shut. Just to listen to him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, true. But he's good. Well, guys, we, 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 we got to make a decision here. We've mentioned a lot of movies. Is there anything else we missed? I mean, uh, I would throw Thunderball in there, but I'm just a big fan of Thunderball. Russia House. I mean, it's oh, Russia House. Russia House is not great, but it's but not like, bad. Yeah. Um, that's when that's when the stars meant something. That yeah. was a big billing. You know, Sean Connery and Michelle Pfeiffer in the late yeah. '80s. I remember going to see that. I was still lived in New York at the time, and uh, I remember I'm really really excited because I loved that the, both of them knew nothing about, hadn't read the book, but it was a big fan of both of theirs and. Remember, just not liking it very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, you know, of course, had roles in a couple of those big, sprawling World War II epics like mm-hmm. uh, Longest Day, Longest which Day, yeah. I think <laughs> I picked on World War II week, uh, or A Bridge Too Far. Um, but uh, you really couldn't call those Sean Connery movies. Right. Although, no. you know, Even though I, I joke about Tarzan's Greatest Adventure, which he was actually in, um, it, you can't really call that a Sean Connery movie either. It's just interesting that he was in a Tarzan film. So Darby O'Gill it is. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I, I think that... Um, the Avengers? Uh, no. Well, should we... I mean, we've done the Untouchables before, but I... You know, it's either that to me or The Rock, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or... We didn't mention Entrapment, which is also a lot of people like. It's a later... It's a lot of fun. It's, it's fun. A lot of fun. It's not great. Yeah. The only thing I remember from that movie is that oh, you know. one shot yes. from the trailer that yes. everyone remembers. Yep. yep, of Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones. And her butt. And her butt. From the one sheet and the trailer. Yeah. 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 Um, You're playing both sides. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, I... I... You know, I'm not a fan of The Rock, honestly, but oh, okay. it's a it's a big movie. And, you know, I'd say since we've chosen The Man Who Would Be King yeah. before and The Untouchables, which are both big favorites of mine, maybe we should do The Rock for the sake of difference. I have no or problem with that. Or there's also it's... The Black Sheep, this Highlander, which yeah. I would not which, pick, but I'm putting I it out there. Which I did pick in, like, I forget what week it was, but I know that I picked it. Immortal Beings Week? <laughs> yeah. I think it was actually the same week. I feel like it was the same week or it was the same day we're recording that uh, that the man who would be king got there. They all blend together after a while. It's all uh, one long do. podcast. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with Steve's analysis that perhaps Friday should be something like a big crowd pleaser. I mean, so I think in I, that- I'd be fine with The Rock. Okay. Yeah, I'd be fine with The Rock too. It's not it's not great cinema, but it's Even though wildly it doesn't have enjoyable. The Rock in it. It's it does not have the rock in it. So yeah, it Ash, Ashley picked Highlander for 006 Degrees of 007. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. That was a fun week. It was yeah. a fun week. Yeah. 
but not as fun as this week. Sean Connery. No, Connery is dead. So let's nominate movies to watch. <laughs> well, look, th- this it was great. Not only honoring the life and career of this great actor, but also getting the gang back together here at the 430 movie. It's been too long. Right. In the that shadow of Sean Connery's death, we have found new life. New life. <laughs> and we would say continue to watch your podcast feed uh, for announcements about new episodes. We won't be back on a regular weekly basis, but I think it's safe to say that we will be dropping episodes throughout the rest of the year. Um, so keep an eye out on your podcast feed for new episodes and special, special spotlight episodes. Special reports. Special report <laughs> of the 430 movie. But uh, first, let's look back at Sean Connery week and what we picked. Steve Melching. Monday was Time Bandits. On Tuesday, Darren Dockerman. I present you the ballistic submarine Red October. On Wednesday, it's Ashley Miller. Not the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but Outland. And on Thursday, my pick was the one that started it all, Dr. No. And of course, on Friday, the consensus was the Welcome Rock. to the Rock. What kind of tour <laughs> is this? <laughs> you know, and maybe I should watch it again. I, the, when I saw The Rock, it wasn't the movie I wanted, it was too goofy. I, I was wanting something serious. But yeah. maybe Steve. now I can revisit it and enjoy I it. I hadn't seen it since I saw it at the AMC Century City when the theater was, um, was, you know, on the other side of the mall when they still had a food court across the way. And it was one level. It was a long time yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And I watched it again on Blu-ray maybe six months ago, a year ago. And I enjoyed it a lot more. It's still not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I had when I first saw it because it's, you know, as it's one of those movies where it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and doesn't end. It's, you know, it's a Michael Bay movie, yeah. but there's, there's some wonderful character moments in there. So yeah. I think we have a week. Really, we do. have a week. I think we do have a week. This was a week. This was a week. <laughs> what a and, week. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with, uh, with Sean Connery. Uh, just uh, a tremendous loss. And, who he retired sadly too soon would have been nice to have seen uh, more movies with this great actor, but you know, from all uh, reports, he could be very difficult to work with. And he was very much focused on the paycheck as a lot of these great, uh, you know, character actors in their later years are, it's all about the money rather than about the project. But oh, he did, always, did you, uh, did you read that Twitter feed by, I think it was Brian Koppelman, Brian Koppelman. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that fascinating? That was great. Really interesting. You want to tell us about um, what Koppelman wrote? This was about a film uh, that he was developing. Everyone thinks now it was probably Brett Ratner, but that's not what's important, that he was developing a film for director with these writers, and they had a really, really great experience with Connery. Oh, yeah, they they said that they Connery came on board the project after they had been doing studio drafts, and Connery wanted to meet with them, and they were surprised that it was going to be just Connery coming over to their 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 office which was a studio apartment in manhattan hmm. and they he, he was going to show up at 9 a.m so they went and bought a fruit plate uh to have for him because why not you know want to be hospitable and tidied up the place and like they said nine o'clock on the dot there's a knock at the door and it's sean connery and and he says you know he says it's sean if i hear a sir in front of that you know that's the last you'll see of me 
and they go to the fruit plate and he was said it was like oh he thanked he was so gracious to thank them for for the fruit plate and they said he was very professional gave them great notes came back the next day 9 a.m on the well, dot. I remember what he said he said okay i think we take a break for uh what was it a, a, a shave a, a, a shit shave and a, a shower, shower. yes yes <laughs> take a break for a shave a shit and a shower and i'll see you tomorrow <laughs> at nine o'clock <laughs> And, you know, and from Brian, from his perspective, it was a really wonderful experience. Because he cared so much. He was so yeah. invested in the project. And it was only he, but he never suffered fools gladly. And when other people got involved and and, and weren't doing things the way he wanted and weren't showing up on time. Well, he, uh, that, he saw a photo of the director in the in the player's box at the fem women's tennis open or something. And he's when like, he was oh, supposed to be this. at a meeting with them. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, the hell with this guy. He's, an he's not professional. I'm and out. he walked Even away from $4 million. I thought it was $17 million. Oh, maybe it was. It was maybe, wow. it was maybe it was $17, yeah. But he did enjoy the fruit plate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's some tasty pineapple. Well, guys, I want to say again, what a great pleasure it was uh, being back on the 430 movie. Uh, and, of course, if you're a fan, please continue to follow us. You can also watch old episodes of 430 movie on the Electric Surge free streaming app which you can download at any app store and uh, you can watch episodes of 430 movie on demand you can also watch our other popular podcast best movies that never made the inglorious Trexperts, uh star trek podcast as well as two on who and the rebel and the rogue a star wars podcast so check those out on the free electric now streaming app and of course you can follow us on apple podcasts and please give us five stars to bring other people to the show you can follow us on social media at the, the 430 movie pod on twitter or on facebook at the 430 movie and also find out when new episodes of this podcast are going to drop but until then on behalf of steve ashley darren and myself mark altman we'll see you at the movies until then eyewitness news starts now You're listening to the Electric Surge Network.